0: As the old adage says, it's not over until it's over, or it's not over until the fat lady sings. But that's not very PC in 2023. So it's not over until it's over, and there's still plenty of things to play for in this up. Well, in this current football season, we are back for another episode of One Kick from Glory, and we're going to be talking a lot about the title running. We're going to talk about the relegation race. I'm joined, as always, by with Craig and Matthew mm-hmm. yeah. and Marcus. It, We're going to start off at the bottom of the table because there is definitely a massive race to survive. There is so much still left to play for. A lot of teams are desperate for survival, and then there's Chelsea, who goodness knows what's going on with them, and they might get dragged into it. But I want to start with you on this one, Marcus. What's your kind of view on the race to survive, and who do you think's in prime position to stay up this season?
1: Yeah, it's it's tricky one. Look, I think you know when I look at it, I. I think Southampton are pretty much as good as gone. And then I think one or two of three other teams are probably likely to go down, and that's either Forest, Leeds, or Everton. And, you know, Everton have this habit of escaping the drop. So, you know, they would probably still just about be my favourites to stay up out of them teams because, you know, the thing about Por- Forest is Forest could go and get a really good, you know, 2 1 win. You know, one week in an unexpected game, and then lose at home the the next week, and it's just they're so inconsistent that it makes it really hard to know with Forest. So, you know, I think at this particular stage, um, you know, and Leeds this week have apparently decided to go back ten years in, you know, considering to bring in Sam Allardyce. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that move makes much sense in twenty twenty three. You know, maybe in, you know, 2003, it wouldn't have been a bad idea. Um, but there you go. Um, so, you know, as much as a mess ever as Everton Football Club are in, um, I think they'll probably stay up. And even as a Liverpool fan, I, I would still like to see them stay up too. Really? Yeah, six points a season. <laughs> knew it,
0: knew it. Well, I can't argue with that. I mean... Looking at the rest of the table, you know, from 20th place, we've got Southampton still and we've got Everton in 19th, Forrest in 18th, as you said, and Leeds, Leicester and West Ham and Wolves just above them. I think Bournemouth have done a great job in kind of pushing themselves out of that bottom three. For you, Matthew, how do you look at the, the chances of the rest of the teams that are down there and, and their prospects of survival? Uh, I think I agree
2: with Marcus. Southampton are good as gone, just like waiting for them to pull that cord. Because it's, it's, it's weird though, because they'll get the odd result here, where it's like, it, it will help them stay up just a little bit. I mean, they've done the double over us. They did the 3-3 three, three with you. I mean, they, they'll pull up a result from somewhere and then you'll get a Crystal Palace where they're just absolutely dreadful. But in games like that, haven't really helped. It's not, it's not enough to beat the top teams. You've got to beat everyone around you. So they're gone. I think, I mean, above them is... Less, is it Leicester above them? Or no, Everton above them, isn't it? Above who? Uh, Southampton. Yeah,
0: Everton then Nottingham
2: Forest. I think, I, I hate to say this because I want them to stay. I really don't want them to stay, but I can see, I can see Leeds getting dragged in. I think they've changed that, they've made the change a little too late. They're conceding goals for fun. It's six, it's four, it's five. I watched them against uh, the highlights against Bournemouth and it's like one of the worst. I've ever seen, I mean, it's one thing to have chaos when you go ahead and try and score, but you know, they're just so devoid of any kind of confidence. Their defenders are just not in the right place. And they're not giving the keeper confidence. He's still very young. He's, he's a good shot stopper, but he's just very flappy and unpredictable sometimes. Mm. You know, Melier, like, he, they need some kind of bolstering in their, their back line. Mind you, they've had, the, they've had players picked, picked, picked off over the years. With, the likes of Calvin Phillips, losing him has proven to be way more drastic. No matter where you play them, home or away, it just doesn't seem to help. With Forrest, it's different because they can always rely on that home form. But, you know, one minute they're putting on a good performance against Liverpool, the next minute they're beating Brighton, they might mm-hmm. do just enough to stay. So, I don't know, I'll just, I think Everton at the moment, the Dice experiment just hasn't really... Worked, but I look at it as the same sort of thing where the style of football that he has is the same style of football that got Burnley relegated in the first place. It's just leaving behind that kind of style of, you know, hoof up football. I mean, look at Burnley now getting promoted back to the Premier League; they're a whole different team. And I just think that I don't know if with, with Everton, with the chopping and changing since like Ancelotti just hasn't really helped to have a focus of the club, you know, and just. Injuries all over the place. Players not pulling their weight. Ah, oh, I could, I can see Everton going down along
0: with Leeds and Southampton. I really can. All right. And as for you, Craig, what, what's your kind of outlook on on the the race to survive? Obviously, there's, I mean, real like if if we're going based on points and not based on emotion, you'd probably argue that it's six, maybe seven teams that are at risk. With Wolves being the seventh team in that number if you wanted to go off humour, you could extend it up up two more places and also include Chelsea as as to make it eight teams. But for you, Craig, what's your who are you expecting to survive and what's your kind of outlook for the relegation place? i feel, I I really thought as
3: Marcus and, and, and uh Matthew have said, I really thought Everton will they they've got their history for, since the nineties, they they've always seemed to be in a relegation battle. And they always seem to get out of it somehow. I don't know how they do it, but they get out of it. Mm-hmm. Last season, the last two seasons, Leeds have been very fortunate that they got out of the, like, the last. They, I think they beat Brentford on the last day of the season last year to get out of the rally, to get, stay up last season. But like, they don't have no Rafinha anymore. They don't have Calvin Phillips anymore. So I don't know who's going to be their savior to save them this time. And I think they're pointing some Sam Adidas a bit too late now, a little too late. They should have appointed him when they them. Um, Jesse Marsh if they're going to make him stay up because it'd be a miracle if they stay up. I like Leeds. They're a good club, good history, but it'll be a miracle of this. I think Southampton are gone. I feel maybe Nottingham Forest. Maybe they could stay up. Maybe they might have a chance. They got some good players. If they can stop conceding sloppy goals, like some of the goals they conceded last week, or so against Brentford, a very schoolboyish, they could have been prevented. The free kick, Coyote, Coyote jumped out the way and then turned into the a free range. That goal, the winner. He didn't. He didn't close his man down. Made him cut onto his left foot. Dre the Silva and he scored. So I feel that if, if Forrest want to stay up, they have to start conceding sloppy goals and be folk. They got a good goalkeeper from Caelan Navas. He's got experience winning Champions League and all that stuff. So hopefully maybe they could stay up. But I really
0: do feel feel for them if they continue not winning matches, it could be too too little, too late. Yeah, I think the reality is that with all these teams at the bottom, like the key factor is gonna be defensive play. Obviously, mm having a reliable goal scorer is important. And we've seen for Leeds recently with Patrick Bamford, he is just off Mm. form. And it's like shocking to see how bad he's been. But I want to flip this to you, um, Marcus. It's like a a follow-up question to that. So obviously looking at all these teams and and the the teams that you're expecting to go down, unfortunately, what players would you... I I I'm a, I don't want to say what players would you take at Liverpool because I think that's a bit of a tough one. But what players would you see leaving those relegated teams, and who could make it into the top six?
1: Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I think I think James Ward-Prowse is a good player. Um, will he leave Southampton? I don't know. Is he good enough to play top eight? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, squad player um, for the top eight. I, I think he could be. Could be good enough. Um, look, a player I really like who I think has been good this season is Brendan Johnson of Forrest. I think he's scored quite a lot of goals. He's he's looked quite good and has been one of Forest's kind of bright sparks this season. Again, I don't think he's good enough necessarily for a move right to the top um, right away. But, you know, I think he's the type of player that, you know, if you look and say, would he be a good enough squad player at Newcastle next year? Champions League football playing more games, not wanting to kind of overdo it on, you know, big budgets when a team gets relegated. Yeah, I think you'd be a good enough, you know, kind of Anthony Gordon, you know, type player, like that level. Mm. Um, you know, um, I, you know, look, I, I think, I think, you know, when you start to look at the likes of West Ham and the likes of Wolves and the likes of Chelsea, you know, they obviously have good players. Um you know, um, so I think, I think West Ham, Wolves, you know, I would probably, I would probably leave them alone and, and I don't think they'll get relegated anyway, but they probably each have five or six players that are good enough for the Premier League, you know, likes of Nunes has been linked, um, you know, to, to, to bigger clubs already, um, uh, but Wolves and, you know, Neves is obviously a very talented midfielder, um, you know, Ben Rahm is pretty good at West Ham. Bowen's pretty good at West Ham. Like, you know, I think there are players there um, that are good enough. But but yeah, that, that would probably be my thoughts in the, in, the, in the kind of immediacy of the teams that I think are going to go down.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting to see, like, especially for those players, like, who, who could get snapped up by one, anyone, really. And I guess really the, the onus is going to be on, on the teams to kind of try and avoid that. That drop off and see if they can retain as many as possible. I think Burnley have benefited from bringing in a very very highly rated manager, having a very very good system but most importantly of all maintaining the core you know they had enough core players that know what Burnley is all about and then he could build on it and bring in some very exciting players and I think it's really funny it's like you know with Burnley that, that when you think of Burnley you, you have a set image of how their team looks, of how their team plays and company has definitely brought in some spice there, you know. You know, he's brought out the the Maggie, Oxo Q, you know, <laughs> salt, and, he's salt de- and pepper. Salt and pepper. He's definitely added some spice to how they play and what they do. So that's been quite interesting to to sort of see. But look, just thinking about, you know, on that note of a manager and the transformative nature of them, we've seen this season has been one of the most tumultuous seasons for managerial appointments. I mean some clubs have gotten it right, and other clubs. We just, we, he, he, there's A nothing Chelsea. to be said. really you just point and laugh, really. But you just have to. <laughs>
2: he, laugh didn't, at he, didn't, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't exactly say Chelsea. We're insinuating it, obviously,
0: <laughs> like Chelsea. But um, <laughs> just on that note, I think I want to <sighs> just highlight three managers in particular. One that's doing an incredible job, and we'll get onto Lampard later. He's the separate conversation point. And two that I think it's one we'll see and the other one it just hasn't worked and I want to start off with the one that just hasn't worked so far and that's Sean Dyche and I want to head over to you Craig what's your perception on Sean Dyche at Everton and why do you think it hasn't quite worked out in the way that we would have expected considering his reputation and what he likes to do as a manager he hasn't got the right players Calvin Lundgren it's the
3: perfect player for his system cross the wall in headers hold the ball Um, I thought that he he has got burning players on his team like um, Tarkowski and um, Dwight, McNeil. Dwight McNeil, but he, he as as Marcus said, this is not two thousand and three anymore. Like old school football's kind of dead out now. They can't do the long ball system now. It's all about tactical football, quick, fast, transitional play. All this nineteen sixty football don't work anymore. I'm sorry, <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. Honestly, it doesn't work. To
0: be fair. Pep, Some teams didn't hold work. On. Uh, Pep Guardiola did use it against us to great effect. That's what I have to say. But continue. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then he could've yeah, but then if if you really, if you wanna go that
3: far, then it doesn't work. Elite managers can do it, but not Thorn Dice. Thorn hey. Dice, he 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 relegated, he got relegated Burnley last season. And done and since he's gone, they've done better without him. Companies transformed the club. He's changed the, the ethos. he's changed everything about the the way they play, obviously he still has, the, as you said, he the, the core players on the team, but some of them might not be there next season for the Premier League. He
0: might try to try do something different, so yeah. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I think it's been interesting it hasn't quite worked out. And you'd hope that he'd be able to bring it together. I want to save the next point in a second for you, um, Matt. But for you, Mark, what would you say has been like one of the biggest sort of disappointments with Everton I know it's it's good news for you that they're struggling it's nice to laugh at but like you said that's six points a season potentially at Jeopardy here they, they'd sort it out and fast I mean we all have vested interest in Everton having a good end to the season but for you <laughs> what, um, what would you say has been the reasoning behind Sean Dyche's kind of inconsistent start there
1: look I, I think I think when the best that one of the greatest managers of our generation could do was finish eighth with you as a football club after bringing in one of the most expensive prestigious attacking midfielders in the history of you know the last 20 years to play an Everton the, the best Everton could have done at that point was pack up their football club and decide they was going to fold because you know, it's pretty much game <laughs> over it's not it's not I'm
3: like, we're
1: we're kind of done like, at that point. Like, you know, where Carlo Ancelotti is coming out with statements in the press saying, look, I'm a football manager, not a magician. Like, you know, it's game over. Like, you know, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. and Lord. everybody looks at Ancelotti and they're like, yeah, the man's finished. No, 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 no. no. The man's going to go and win the Champions League in one year. He's not finished. Evan, however, they should be finished. Like, you know. So I, I think this is the problem with, with Everton Football Club is with all due respect, like they they spend most of their life gaining satisfaction out of Liverpool's failures. Liverpool's failures in which are genuinely more often than not much bigger successes than Everton having. Um, you know, if Everton finished fifth this year, they'd be delighted. Um, you know, so I think, I think when you look at it, in that way the, the the everything around the club is is kind of like the little brother mentality that he's never going to get out of the shadow of his big brother and his big brother's just better than him in every single way and there's nothing he can do about it and you know sadly he's trying to follow in his footsteps at, you know of his big brother by doing the same job and having the same career and taking the same path but he's just really really bad at it compared to his big brother and and th- there's no, there's no winning mentality ever. And when they've brought in proven winners, it has not. The mentality has not been able to stick. It's not been able to change things. And I think that's a, a sign of a really, really suffering football club. I think they and they need lots of changes. Um, you know, throughout the club, they need to get rid of the entire board. They need to get rid of you know probably twenty of their 25 five players in their in their starting squad and and you know they, they, they really need to to think about how they want to approach it. You know, they need to you know because because again like you know you know they had Ancelotti, then they went to Benitez, you know, how different. Both very good managers, but both very mm. different in their styles, their approaches, their formations, the way they played over the years. Um and you know, then he, Lampard, like, we're going to get on to him. <laughs> um, but, God. like, you know, hiring Frank Lampard is basically admitting defeat as it is. Like, how he kept them up is beyond me, to be honest. Um, you know, and then and then Daesh. Like, Daesh, Lampard, Benitez, and and shorty as their last four managers are you trying to tell me that makes any sense in any way shape, or form? Like, anyone at this football club sat there going yeah we've got a plan here you know we know what we're doing we're moving in the right direction they, they, they really need to get it together get a clear philosophy and start building towards a clear philosophy but even their signings dreadful like you know and even the good signings like you know, 50 million on Richarlison, like it worked out, like he's a bit of a legend at Everton because, you know, nothing to do with football, but because, you know, he, he paid for a bus to, you know, send Liverpool supporters to the Champions League or whatever it is like, you know, <laughs> they, 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 all, they all love that one because, you know, that that's the type of success you get when you can't think about any success on the pitch. So there's my Everton <laughs> run over. Um but the club's a bit of a mess and you know they really need to sort it out.
0: Honestly, 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 honestly. I, I, I thought okay, I have a follow up question for you then. Everton, Tottenham, or Chelsea, who's in a bigger mess out of those three?
1: Um I think Chelsea are in the biggest mess at the moment because because the expectations of Chelsea are are so through the roof. I don't think Everton can expect much more than you know to potentially scrap for a top ten finish. Um, you know, like I said, Ancelotti finished eighth with them, so you know the the expectations are not as high. Tottenham, you know, they're they, you know they are a bit of a bottle job. There's no there's no denying it. Um, you know, but they also reached a Champions League final. Um, you know, a, f- a few years ago. Um, when Arsenal fans were threatening to blow up Spain, um, you know, but, but then, you know, Chelsea, the immediacy of their, of their failures are worrying. And the, the, the fact that Todd Bowley is at the helm of this football club is probably the biggest concern I would have as a Chelsea fan, because he really doesn't have a clue. Um, and they've spent so much money and, you know, I, I, I can't wrap my head around the idea of thinking, do you know what? We're struggling here. I'm going to sack my my good man, Audi TC. Um, And do you know what? Actually, the best way forward here is to hire a guy that almost got Everton relegated. Like that's the plan. Like, you know, squad harmony, right? Like, you know, he used to be one of us. He almost got us relegated. We, we sacked him. Then we won the champions league six months later. And then you know, we're going to sack the guy that won the Champions League six months later and guess who we're going to hire back. It's just a comedy <laughs> club. Like, you know, it really is. Um, so, yeah, I think Chelsea have the, have the biggest problems at the moment. And how are they are going to turn them around, I'll leave for Matthew to figure out. You know, what,
0: I, I, we're going we're gonna to really get into Chelsea a bit later on. But what I have to say, and I think it's, I love that you brought it up, Lampard might actually be the first manager in Premier League history to relegate two clubs if, if results go our way. Now, I don't think it's possible for possible Chelsea to get relegated this season. I think it, it's just, it, it's mathematically difficult, but if Liverpool have a chance of top four, then Chelsea have a chance of relegation. So I'm I'm going to say it's it's possible. It's a stretch and it will require a lot of favour around them, but it's possible. But before we get into that discussion, and that's really going to sting a bit for you, Matt, but... um. I wanted to focus on the second of the three managers I wanted to highlight at the bottom and this is a manager who I think has definitely gone under the radar this season in terms of the work that he's doing and I think that since he's come in of all the newly appointed managers he is a testament to the to the benefit of sacking someone and bringing someone in and being patient with them through the rough patches and that's Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth. How impressed are you with what he has been doing down at the south coast? Well Bournemouth were like doomed at one point. I swear they really like 19th, like
2: not a few months ago, mm. but I think they, have Gary O'Neill's come in, he's, what people have realize about Gary o, O'Neill is that he was a bit of a traveller. He travelled around many, many clubs for many, many years. He was Portsmouth and he was at like QPR or something. And so he's gained the experience of playing at clubs at that kind of level but needs mm. to help a bit of survival. But it's also credit to, I think he appointed, I don't think he appointed him, but he started playing him, was the new goalkeeper that they have as well, ahead of their old goalkeeper, I can't remember who he was, who's been stable at, like just giving them confidence at the back, a direct comparison between their keeper now against the keeper they have for Leeds couldn't be more obvious watching that game about, Alec. sorry, Leeds, I'm sorry. He's, he's, not, he's not good. He's not good. I know he's young. He's also not good. Anyway, and you can tell I'm a bit salty right now because I'm going to get into it anyway. Don't worry, I'm saving the best. But yeah, just like the confidence he gives his defender, defenders ahead of him, mm. just proves so much how they're climbing up to the point and now they're behind us level on points. And you know what? Solanke's also scoring as well. Who flopped at Liverpool. He flopped at Chelsea. He's found this happy place at Bournemouth. You know, he's, he's scoring. The other players are scoring and just confident of what it's, like, what it's like for other teams to score. But just, they're radiating a little bit more confidence and belief that survival is now very much possible. I think they're more or less... Well, if I think Chelsea are safe, I think they're safe too, depending on Saturday's result. I don't know. But no, he's done... I was, I thought you'd go with, somebody, with someone else, but considering the position that they were in... And another ex-player that's kind of like you. it's his next player. How do you? What is he going to do? Now, nah, I didn't really think of him too much, but he has done a fantastic job. So, you know, credit where credit is due. We'll see what the vitality on Saturday.
0: No, we will. I mean, I think you're the only one that says Chelsea's safe. I think the rest of us. I mean, Mark probably thinks it's a bit. It's a bit of a stretch to say they're going down. I, I still think you just be you should be looking down mate. Don't um, look up anymore. boards. Not looking down. I'm doing nothing <laughs> it's not looking me. down that table. And I'm afraid the look, look, well, the, the the
1: thing the thing about Chelsea's um, <laughs> Chelsea's position of safety is I only think they're safe because of the points they've already got. I I haven't pictured Lampard picking up a point between now and the end of the season. So it's going to be nothing to do with him and everything to do with the fact that they'd already picked up enough points up until this particular point because I can easily see Chelsea not winning a game between now and the season end.
2: You telling me that our best manager this season is still Thomas Tuchel, hundred yep. percent, yeah, hundred percent. Mighty, mighty TT does it again.
0: And, and you know, what? Uh, yeah. Oh. On that note, we are coming to Chelsea. We're gonna, we're gonna, we've got another stop to go to before then. But I wanted to speak about the third manager of my three manager um, expose, and I say it's the unknown quantity because um, we don't know how it's gonna go but this man has now got four games to make 3 million pounds, which if you told me in four weeks, you got to do a job, four weeks worth of work and you can get 3 million. I'm never going to turn that down. (laughs) I'm all over it. Am I qualified? Who cares? What's the job? What do I need to do? You need to just win before matches. All right. Okay. Park the bus FC. Big Sam's back. Massive news out today. Really interesting to see how it goes for you Craig. First of all, how did you feel about the news considering why he hasn't had a job since the England man's job where he royally messed up and got fired? Understandably so. But um, how do you think that appointment is going to work out for Leeds? i don't I, I said he'd done it at Bolton. He did it at Sunderland. He, he flopped at Newcastle. Kept them up though.
3: Did he flop on Newcastle? It's,
0: but it's, um, it's, it's West, West Brom is where he failed. West Brom. West Brom when he got I mean, we got relegated. I can't forget West Brom because he had met in midfield, and, and he, well, he was in midfield, but midfield was happening around him. Anyway, <laughs> um, he's a type of manager that he, he can put his arm around the players and,
3: and give them that confidence but like a Roy Hodgson did. That like everyone thought well, Roy Hodgson back in football. Well, he, he, I know, he's been in the game for a long time. He's been doing that like, punditry work and <laughs> whatever. But I'm sure he'll try and muster the way how to beat Guardiola on Saturday. We're praying and hoping he'll find a way how to... Uh, he said in the paper today that he's, he's better than Arteta, he's better than this manager, he's better than that manager. I was cool. just laughing. <laughs> when I read the article, yeah? Sorry, sorry. When, 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 when I read the article, I was laughing my head off. like, this guy, are you being
0: serious? Hold on. Like, we've all heard about players being the next onri, David Ngo, Jimmy Brion, Lorik Remy. Where are they now? it don't mean nothing. There's just Mm. words. He can call himself the best, anything, but at the end of the day, his CV, and this Leeds posted a lovely picture of his, like, you know, his records as a manager. And, you know, without even doing proper maths, it was like 500 and something odd games managed, 100 and something odd wins. And I thought, hold on a minute, that, there's, there's, there's a massive gap there in numbers. That doesn't read really well. That's <laughs> It's not doing what they think it's doing. <laughs> you know? well,
3: the, well, I think the only big club we managed as a manager was Newcastle and the England job. Was the only two club teams that were big clubs. All the other clubs were like relegation front clubs like Bolton. West Ham. West Ham as well. West Ham as well. So three teams, West Ham, England and um, Newcastle other teams like Sunderland and their like lower league team, no disrespect to them, but they were like, the bottom half of the table team. So maybe his record is, that's the reason why his record is so low or maybe it's not good enough. He stopped Everton. He
2: stopped, I yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he stopped Everton. He stopped Everton. So yeah. Well, we, well. good luck to Sam Allardyce. If he does it, that three million will be very nice for him. That's his retirement fund. So <laughs> his pension fund. So maybe if he does a good job, hopefully <laughs> he can, least can stay up.
0: But I think though, on that note, does it even make sense to appoint him? When you look... It's four games, right? You, you, What you're looking for is two wins, two draws, right? Starting on Saturday, no pressure. But you're looking for two wins, two draws. Or three three draws, one win. But wow. you just can't lose. Mm. Like, you can probably afford to lose one game, and even then, because they're just... They're level on points with Forrest, and it's just goal difference that's keeping them up. So realistically, they they need... They, I think, they need six points to be fine. Well, I feel that like maybe the reason they um they they if
3: they wanted to appoint some other, that's an appointing them when they sat Jesse Mars. That'd give them that'd give them twelve, fifteen, eleven, fifteen games or sixteen games to try and implement his, his um his style of play and whatever the way he wants the team to play. Four games is like a j- bit of a joke to be honest with you. If you knew Javi Garcia was not the manager for you, or not the manager that's going to stay, could he? He was at Watford. He did well in his first season at Watford. Then he got. Got sacked the second season. He got sacked. Yeah. So he's never really, he's not really be a manager that's gonna get you out of relegation battles. So I was a bit surprised when they appointed him as a manager. To be fair, and him struggling, I knew he was gonna
0: struggle. I knew it. But well, I want to throw this to you, Mark, and then we're gonna move on to your lovely team, Liverpool. But like, do you looking at the picture? Because Leeds have also sacked their director of football, Victor Auto, as well. He's he left um, because the signings they've made has just not really been up to up to pass what they needed and what they've got. But when you look at the situation, obviously going from Bielsa to Jesse Marsh, that's already a bit of a strange decision. And then going from Marsh to Gracia, and then now going from Gracia to Allardyce, do you not think it would have been they would have been better off just sticking with Marsh and just riding out? Because I remember the game, the week they fired him, the next few fixtures were all winnable. And of course Gracia went on to win them. So then buy that token and it's kind of similar with Palace and Vieira but I think Palace have made the right call because they needed that change and it's well and truly benefited them. they're safe and they're going to be fine but like do you think that Leeds should have probably held on with Marsh for a couple more games and and then bringing a manager that fits what the players they've got rather than just bringing in Graffier who doesn't really fit them
1: yeah like I think I think the problem is that you know, football's always great with hindsight, right? And we say that it's, you know, Palace made the right call because Hodgson's came in and, you know, kept them up comfortably and they picked up a handful of good results. But there's nothing to say that Vieira wouldn't have been able to turn it round and they still stay up as well. I, you know, I, whilst I, whilst they were in free fall and it was looking quite ominous, like, you know, I think it, it was also very doable considering the nature of this season that he could have got enough points to keep them up and they move forward with him next season. Um, I I think Leeds would be in no different, no no better of a position, um, or necessarily no worse of a position if they had Jesse Marsh now. So it's almost like they've just gone through the hoo-ha of giving away, you know, however much they've given away in compensation for sacking these managers that they've put on contracts, um, you know, over a four month period. Um, Again, Chelsea really know a lot about that as well, you know. So, you know, but but yeah, I think I think um, I think at the end of the day, it's neither here nor there. They 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 probably could have kept Jesse March. The problem always with these clubs is, you know, these clubs in this position, you know, with Bielsa who kept Leeds in the Premier League relatively comfortably, and they had an idea and a philosophy. Is it's all well and good doing it for a little while, but look at Southampton. You know, they had Pochettino, they had Komen, they had good philosophies, they had Hasselhoff, who even did okay for his first little spell there. And look where they are now. You know, what did they do? They they hired a championship manager and have got championship results. Like, you know, and, and I think at the end of the day, like, this is the challenge of being, you know, outside of the top eight in the Premier League. You're not susceptible. Like, no one is. You know, West Ham are probably the biggest club outside the top eight. and you know, even they have been dragged into it, but look, they, you know, they've chose to ride it out with Moist. And, and I almost think there's some wisdom in that they'll probably stay up, I think. But, you know, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, like, I think that does make the most sense to me. You look and you say, you know, at the beginning of a season, we have this guy here for a reason. This is what we're trying to achieve. This is the success that we want to have. Okay. It's not worked out brilliantly, but like, he still fits what we're trying to do. Whereas you can't really speak for a club like Leeds who have, you know, basically just, you know, they were linked with Pochettino and, you know, when, when, you know, um, their last manager left and you're thinking wow. like, you know, this is a club that they're trying to, to, to push the barriers even higher. And, you know, have ended up hiring championship fodder and probably will be championship because of it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. Like I said in the previous podcast, Leeds, you need to turn it around. I need a Yorkshire club in the Premier League until my beloved Bradford make it, if they ever make it. And when they do, you lot can just drop back down again. Us we're we're, we've already got one. We've
2: already got Yorkshire club coming up.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sheffield United. Sheffield United. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, you know what? Fair enough. I tried um but yeah let's move, let's move on uh down the country let's head to Liverpool at uh, least to Liverpool and um, it's been an interesting turn of events at, at, at Anfield I feel like Jurgen is slowly starting to piece together the new system for 2023 2024 I'm quite intrigued because obviously this season's done like I said there's an outside chance of you making top four but I'm liking what I'm seeing For you, Mark, uh, and I want to throw two questions at you in this. Firstly, how impressed have you been, or how do you feel about what's happening at the moment with Liverpool? And secondly, I want to talk about Trent, but let's start about your general thoughts on Liverpool uh, and and that wonderful game against the Spuds the other day. I mean, sorry, Tottenham (laughs) Hotspur football club, club in in inverted quotes. Um,
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, it's, it's seven games without losing now and... You know four wins in a row and it's looking good that you know the the football is is attractive again it's interesting you know i like that we've made some changes obviously that's kind of you know captured in the conversation that we'll have with the next question um but but yeah I, I i like what i'm seeing i think we still look susceptible defensively and and that's inevitable um at the moment It it does seem defensively we're a little all over the place and a bit shaky at times, but, you know, don't rely on us for a clean sheet, but we'll give you a good game and we'll score a few goals, um, you know, and, and you know, we have been getting out of games with wins. And, you know, you look at the fixtures between now and the end of the season and you think all very winnable games, mm. um, which, you know, is partly the problem for Liverpool with the games they've lost this season is that you look at them and you think they should have be been very winnable games, you know, Bournemouth, you know, Nottingham Forest, Leeds at home, Brighton um, you know games you'd expect Liverpool to be winning but but yeah all in all I, I think I think things look like they're turning and heading in the right direction for next season um, is it a little too late yeah probably um, in terms of the top four um, and that all you know important Champions League spot I think it, it might be it might be gone I, like I did a, a little of eva- evaluating of the, the games left and I think Newcastle need 5 points in their last 5 games and Man United need 9 points in their last 6 games um, and that would be with Liverpool winning every game between now and the end of the season. So when you look at it that way it does it does feel like it might be a little bit too much to ask. Newcastle I wouldn't expect to you know they've got Arsenal and, you know, there would have been a time where Chelsea away would have been a hard game. But, um, you know, other than that, Leicester, Brighton, Leeds, I, I think I think um, Newcastle will comfortably pick up five points between now and the end of the season. Sorry, Matthew, I'm being really hard on Chelsea tonight. It is what it is. Um, and United, <laughs> um, they have Brighton away, West Ham away, Wolves at home, Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, Fulham at home you'd think they'd pick up nine points in them six games, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think top four feels a bit late, but but all in all, um, positive signs. And hopefully we can make some new signings for next season.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a positive signs. And, and, and just speaking on that new, new signings note, you know, we had the news that broke earlier today that, um, from Fabrizio Romano and he's, he's usually quite accurate about these things instead of when he has fested interest and deliberately leaks bad news. <laughs> but he's claiming that G Bellingham is all but wrapped up and bow tied and heading off to Real Madrid. I know you had your sort of hopes that that deal was going to happen. Um, and I know you did say relatively recently that you kind of felt like it wasn't going to happen anymore and that he was not going to make it to Liverpool. So it's not too much of a shock for you but taking him out of the equation now and looking at the resurgence and this evolution in the role of Trent Alexander Arnold, how do you see Liverpool's midfield shaping up for next season now?
1: Yeah, look, I, I I think I think Trent gets a lot of stick from rival fans, um, you know, for his defensive, you know, qualities and that that's that's fair enough. Um, you know, we'll we'll have that Trent versus Reach James conversation another day. Um but I, I think what's I think what's clear um, is that the Trent Alexander Arnold is a terrific central midfielder. Um, he's really good on the ball. He he seems very composed. He's also got way more assists than the entire Chelsea team in his last six games. Um, oh my and, god! <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> hey. And Yeah, I have an axe to grind tonight. I, I really do. Um, <laughs> you had your wheat a bit this morning, man. <laughs> but yeah, to be honest, he, 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 he looks like a player who's had the pressure taken off him because he no longer has to deal mm. with, you know, the attacking wingers isolating him and targeting him in a position where he's uncomfortable and he gets the ball and he dictates the play and he reminds me a lot of Javi Alonso like he sits deep and he pings the ball around and he takes the ball off the defense um and and yeah he seems incredibly confident like I say six assists in the last five league games and and yeah I think he saves Liverpool uh, a handful of money um in the summer when it comes down to midfielders I, I think you know like you said Bellingham um, it became more and more clear it wasn't going to happen um, and that Liverpool looked at the budget and said, you know, we need three new midfielders, not just one. And and I, and I think Jude Bellingham, therefore, you know, to Madrid is the best move for all of us involved because nobody wants to see him at Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I think I think Trent and two others, um, and Trent could operate as the deep line midfielder, we'll need to buy a right back. Um, and. In all honesty, I don't care if they can cross the ball. I don't care if they go past the halfway line. I personally just like them to be able to defend. Like, that'd be fantastic. Um, you know, and and then that way, you know, our our success can come from the center of the park um, and we can we can look to make a difference there. So for me, I, you know, I still like the idea of Mason Mount if Chelsea don't want to sign a new deal with him. I, I like the idea of Barella. Um, from Inter, um, and you know, because he's that box to box that is maybe a cheaper version of Bellingham. We could probably get him for fifty million, and would do what Bellingham does. Um, he's not as good as Bellingham, but you know, he he still fits that bill of, of a similar type of player. Um, and and yeah, I think I think outside of that, like you know, a free a free transfer to bolster the midfield, whether it be Kovačić or, you know. I attack Modric, but I, I doubt it had happened. Um, you know, but but sub something um that's not overly expensive but that just kind of, you know, fills out that that midfield, then yeah, I'd be quite happy.
0: That's a good point. I would say this though, play playstyle wise looking at Trent Trent Alexander Arnold right now, he reminds me of of near end near end of career Beckham. So this is like second half of his Madrid stay going to LA Galaxy, AC Milan and PSG because the role he played in those clubs was more central midfield rather than on the wing. Obviously at Madrid there was Figo out there so he had to play more infield but the the type of things that Trent's doing right now is a lot of what Beckham did in that phase and Beckham could still get up the wing but he did play more central and again his distribution on the ball was just next level and that, that's what I see in Trenton that's a good place for him to be um, but for you Craig looking at how things are playing out obviously I guess a Liverpool beat Spurs with a lovely lovely last minute winner mm. <laughs> always love it when you know I was looking at a video of a Spurs fan cams reacting they were doing a live stream and I was just like there's these two guys bless them I, I think you guys should just pack it in you're not cut out for this. I'm sorry, but every single time, every time you lot are celebrating something, it always fails. Every time I see their faces, it's the same. You know, they're doing well, they're winning, they're winning. Oh, we're ahead. well are you winning? and Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, just pack it in, please. For the love of God, just, just give it a rest and support another team or something. But for you, Craig, like looking at how you know that game. That game has panned out like, like Mark said. It's going to be a tough, a tough run for Liverpool to make it into the top four because of the other teams around them. But what? How do you rate their chances of making it top four? Mm. I think a couple
3: of weeks ago, I think two a month or so, two months ago, I think I backed Liverpool to get top four. Mm. I thought after they beat Man United 7-0, I thought that yeah they could. Um, they could challenge and get into the top four. Because Klopp has done it before. They did it a couple of seasons ago. I remember the season when Alisson scored the header against West Brom mm. and it's secured top four. And um, I feel that like the results have been good recently, but there's some results that might have cost them like the Wolves game when they lost against Wolves, against Arsenal when they drew against Arsenal and they will be a better team on that day. Sorry, Marcus, um, <laughs> um, who else did we? And they And they, they drew a couple of games and they sort of won. And I think, I think if you look at the start of the season, they, um, they if they turn the draws, they turn some of their defeats into wins. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would have got top four, but I don't think they're going to get top four now. I think Newcastle stronger. They're doing very well. Man United are doing well because they 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 have to do well to get Champions League for next season. Mm. Um, so I think maybe Liverpool finish fifth. I feel they'll finish fifth or sixth.
0: Mm. Well, I think it's interesting because you look at the next couple of games. Man United have got Brighton coming up. Mm. Um, on Thursday As of recording So it might be today We're listening to this Later on today uh, And then they've got West Ham on the weekend And then May United uh, Liverpool sorry Have got Fulham Right now And they have Brentford At the weekend That's a six point I mean it's a six point gap Right now mm. You never know In those two games West Ham have Obviously they've got a lot They're still not safe mm. They would want to secure that Before the Europa Conference League Semis and stuff mm. As for um so, you know, anything can happen. Brentford...
3: But I did, I, did, I, did back, I, remember, I did back Liverpool to get top four. Mm. So I think if they get top four, it'll be good for them. They can rebuild. They'll make it better for them to get recruitment. Like they can... Champions League football. And they could get, they get more bonuses and all that for Champions League. Reve, Champions League revenue. They can get, mm. the, they can get the, the... They might not have to go for the player for Inter Milan. They can get better players than him if they want to. So, That's true. It all depends on if they get Champions League football. Liverpool's a big club anyway, so they can still attract and they've got an elite manager
0: who's won yeah. big trophies, so they can still attract top players at the yeah. club. All right, let's 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 talk about Arsenal Man City first, and then we will talk about Arsenal Chelsea and Chelsea. Because anyway, whole lot of mess going on. That's, you're just a hot mess right now. You are literally like the supermodel who fired all of her staff, literally fired her whole makeup crew, hair, makeup, her, her dress, her designer, everything, fired them all, ran into Target and just picked out a bunch of stuff and thought I can do it all myself, went to the red carpet, didn't check the weather before going to the red carpet. It started raining, no umbrella, and just looked an absolute mess, a hot mess still on the front page of magazines because of who she is, but just a hot mess. Uh And everyone would, I'm not, it's not saying it's a a person, just (laughs) this an example scenario. (laughs) And everyone is just embarrassed to point out the obvious that they are a mess, but Hey, you're a hot mess. But before we talk about that hot mess, I wanted us to kind of review the Arsenal man city game in light of, you know, yesterday's fixture against um, Chelsea, which was a good little bounce back from Arsenal. And, for you, Craig, what were your thoughts about the Man City game in general? Yeah, we were scared. We looked mm-hmm. scared all over the pitch.
3: We looked nervous. We didn't look confident. I know players were talking up before the game said, we're going to do what? Well they, 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 they didn't have no pride. They didn't have nothing. They just looked like little lost boys on the pitch. So, like, Saka looked lost. Jesus looked lost. Shevchenko looked lost. Holden looked lost. The whole team is not lost. And I felt that against one of your title rivals for the title, even though it's our first time battling the title in a long time, you would have felt they'd given more, even I would have put more fight on that pitch than them when they did on that day. Like it was embarrassing, mm-hmm. absolutely embarrassing. And I felt that, like, it it, it, it was it was, it was, just embar- it was just upsetting to watch because you've that we've done so well all season. Mm-hmm. as to go to the home of the champions and not even put up a fight, And then the next game after that, Fulham played Man City and Fulham put more of a fight against Man
0: City than we did against them. It's very embarrassing. Yeah, it was a disappointing performance, disappointing game. I I thought the players would have... I mean, I think Arteta should have switched it. And we saw the benefit of that against Chelsea by bringing in Kivio, bringing in Jorginho, bringing Mm. in Trossard and the difference those three players made to the team... I don't think Kivyo was like a world beater yesterday, mm. but I just think having him in the 11 meant that we could just play how we like to play because the boy's not slow. He's got pace. He's, he's quick. He can, he can shift. He can move it a bit, you know, Rob holding, bless him. It's like, it's like, you know, he, he's just, he's a dumper truck. He, there, he's not enough speed in them legs. <laughs> <laughs> he tries. He's got a good heart, good, good lad, but he just hasn't quite got it. And it, he just, Kivio allows to play our normal game. Mm. So I think that was a, a mistake on Arteta's point, not, trying something different without Saliba. I think that was just a sign of the his resoluteness and his beliefs, which he needs to get more flexible. I don't want to call him arrogant and stubborn. I just think he needs to become a bit more flexible in what he wants to do. So that was annoying. Gabriel Jesus really let me down. For you, um, Matthew, when you look at his performance as a striker, because I thought he was going to go to Man City and really take the game to them and show them what they were missing. Like, you know, you want to see that kind of fight. And I think he played within himself. Did a a couple of nice dribbles here and there, but he didn't look like he was trying to take the game to cover a neck. What do you think of his performance in general? Every John Cena is always going to be a Brock Lesnar. I think this is his
2: first return back to the Etihad since leaving. It was always going to be real tough to come back to your former employers in the form that they're in, in a form that your club is in. And I think he just kind of disappeared into himself just for that one moment and I think for not just him, but for the whole team, the occasion took over about what was going on, what was possible, because you're coming in off like uh, some undesirable results. I mean, the draw of Southampton, the draw of West Ham, the draw of Liverpool. They're I mean, not losses, but when you're in a title race and when your rivals are on scintillating form, literally bare breathing down your neck, the last thing you need is to cut, turn up there and not really perform. And, it happened from very early on in the game and they got their first goal and they never really looked back. It's it's like, like, it was almost as a reminder where as as good as you are doing right now, what you lack in this key part of the season is experience. Like, not disrespecting your players, but they haven't experienced a feeling like this at this time of the table, at this part of the table, at this time of the season for, I think, ever. You know, they normally used to be like the European mark. You know, all been fighting to get into the European mark. So this is now where I said the last time is running your race is so important because you're playing against a team and a manager and a club that are well aware of where they are. They love this kind of thing. If anything, they like being in the way they are because it gives them something to aim for when they come and literally pip you at the very last second but to Liverpool. Who's Will they do it to you guys? Only time will tell. I said it before, I think this is... This title race is far from over. This is going to the wire. Two games or even one game to go. But yeah, I think on the day, he shrunk into himself and just, I, I think the, the occasion has kind of got the better of him. Next time round, depending on what happens at the end of the season, he might go there with a little bit more confidence. But now nah, he just, the game very much took him over that one
0: time, very much. Yeah, it was definitely a game that, I look back on it and I'm a bit annoyed by it but then as is often the case in life you have one moment minor moment of setback and disappointment and sadness and then Charity FC opens her loving arms and says go on mate my house is wide open take what you need help yourself have a cup of tea make yourself dinner and head on home and have fun I want to start with you on this one, Marcus, and I'm going to come over to you, Matthew, about what was absolutely, uh, uh, just has been, it was a great fight back and a bounce back from Arsenal, but what was literally endemic of what has just been the Todd Bowley circus gone absolutely mad and the season's not over yet. And like I said, there's still a chance that they might be playing with Preston North End. Well, not Middlesbrough because they're probably going to come up, but Preston North End next season might be heading to the bridge. But for you, Mark, what did what, an, what when you looked at that game from Arsenal? How did you how do you review it in light of the season? And does it give a glimmer of hope to the possibility of things of the shiny trophy making it back to the M's come end of the year?
1: Look, if you weren't playing uh, Frank Lampard Chelsea, then you know maybe it would be a positive result, but. Pretty much everyone's gone and be in Chelsea home and away this year. Um, so we'll continue on with my hatred for Chelsea tonight and, and say that I wasn't overly blown away. Um, but, you know, you need the points and that's the most important thing at this stage in the season. I, I agree with Matthew. I think Man City have the experience and, and that experience will probably take them across the line. Um, but at the same time, you know, I have been saying that for months. So, you know, I, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd keep hope. I'd keep enjoying it. I, I'd keep, you know, believing that you can win the title every moment because what, what, what other option do you have? Um, but you know, I think Man City have dealt some big blows, um, and shown their consistency and their ability to perform, um, and really showed up when it mattered in the game against you guys. Um, and, and for me, I think that, will, that, that was enough to suggest that I think Man City would uh, win the title. But, but yeah, um, you know, I think you've got to keep getting the results and keep picking up the points and keep the pressure on. And you're doing that as it currently stands. You needed to get that three points against Chelsea to turn things around and move yourselves in the right direction. And you've done that. So that's important.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's a very good point to make. And I think that's been very key that in terms of what we've been doing you know we just got to keep keep moving and keep pushing on but you yeah. know it's not a it's never a, a fun podcast without pointing out the ills <laughs> wills, and, and spills at, at Stanford Bridge but before we get into that Craig Martin Erdegaard, I have been very critical of our captain at times of season because I feel like he does like to um disappear at, in some of the big games and I know he had a good um Southampton game he had a good ending and an okay start and the middle, I thought he was a bit anonymous. He was doing some good things, but for a player of his quality, I I expect and I demand more mm. because he can do more. But for you, Craig, how impressed were you with his two goals against Chelsea last night, especially the first one? Led by, he led like a, a true captain, a winner. Mm. He, he The
3: goal was hit the crossbar, top right, and when I thought yesterday the pressure was off. I thought the pressure was off Arsenal yesterday because in their minds, they might they think, oh, maybe we're not going to win the title now. So we depressed. when the pressure's off, Arsenal seem to play well. When the pressure was on, we were struggling. Then three games: Liverpool, West Ham, and Southampton. Now, now the pressure's off us. Now we're the underdogs again. we we'll, we we'll, we could go on another run and win all our games. And then you never know what happens. That's that's that's, that's Arsenal. Odegaard, mm. um, he was he was missing last week. He gave away one of the ball, he gave away two of the balls, for, two of the goals. He gave the ball away in the mid mid forward. He didn't have the desire, he didn't, I don't mind a player giving the ball away. In, sorry, I don't mind a player giving the ball away in a match. Yeah? But one thing I don't like is that a player just the standing and not even trying to chase it mm. or try to do even tug a player back, get a yellow card or something. He just stood there and put his hand in his head. I'm thinking, our captain doing that. That doesn't. That and you got younger players like Saka. You got players like um, who was Martinelli, and then just looking at you. You're the leader. You have to show these young players that that's not how you do things. I know he's young himself, but you're the captain of Arsenal Football Club. You know what I mean? You can't be, you know yeah. what I mean? So, but he
0: made up for it yesterday. So not long continued that run. Yeah, I think yesterday he showed us the the leadership, the grit, the technical ability and the skill and talent that you want to lead a team and leading a game like that. And obviously, I use that as a great contrast to the absolute crap show that is Stamford Bridge right now. I, I can't, Okay, fair play to Noni Madukele for getting his goal. He did put on on Instagram the night before. He put a nice little post up saying that you know he's you know he said, he's, he said basically I've got something coming tomorrow. Or watch this space, or whatever he said, and he did deliver on that. So a fair to play to him. Nice little scrappy goal. Madrid came off the bench. But it's very tidy. Thirty-five plus five million pound bid Arsenal in the summer. Yep. Yeah just to test their resolve. And if if you accept it, hey, we're in business. Go up to 45 plus five max. But how do you explain this year at Chelsea? Because you have really, as if we look at the timeline of events, you know, the, the end of the Roman, as the Roman era was coming to an end, you know, you, you brought in Lampard initially, Um, did a good job at Derby, you brought him in to try and, you know, build things up, had a free hit season, no Champions League, no pressure. He had a, tra- a transfer ban as well. Mm-hmm. And he did well integrating younger players like Mount, Abraham, Tomori. Following season, he shipped, shipped off basically two of those three. And then he lost his job. Thomas Tuchel came in and just they delivered, Champions League again, um, and then he got a Club World Cup. You're, you know, you're flying high. Then you fast forward to this season, Romans out because of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Big money. Todd takes over, and from that point on, when I'm hearing stories about Cristiano Ronaldo and all this kind of stuff, and then Thomas is out, brings in Graham. It just was never working, and he stuck with Graham stubbornly. And then oh, Graham's out, gets a text from James Corden. Oh hey, mate, you know what? Yeah, that, give Frank a chance. You know, he's a good lad. Brings in Frank Lampard. And you haven't won a game on the Frank Lampard. Um, how do you feel about all these things? Well...
2: Thank you, Tommy. Thank us, thank Thank you, Thomas Tuchel. You may have potentially saved us from relegation. You're still our best manager this year, and that was what back in September when you last managed a game. It doesn't make sense. Like he's come in and he really has not made a good impression of himself because when he got those first bunch of players, your Sterlings, your Bamiangs and your um Koulibales, Cucarella to some extent, he bought them for him to then let him go. And then the next guy come in who has no idea, working with a bunch of players that he didn't even necessarily want. He was promised a whole bunch of other players that he still didn't even get. And then quintessentially, it gets worse over time. That's why I'm not really having the smoke for the manager so much as it is the guy above, because he's fired a whole bunch of staff and he's taken over this club by himself. Now, if you look before, why he had different players or different people in different positions that run the club and they care, you can talk about Like how Roman did things, the quick firing, the instabilities and all this kind of thing. But you know what? It worked. And he had a team of people around him necessarily that would probably jump in and say say something that might not be a good idea. He never once went into a training room. And I'm hearing things that the one he did go into a training room after Real Madrid, it's not the first time. Now, that's the first red flag after all. Even the manager is poor as Frank. And I love Frank. I love Frank. But as a manager, he ain't he ain't doing it at least at the Premier League level anyway but to go in and undermine your manager that you picked that you picked just screams of so many bad decisions of so many red flags it's like looking at my Sky Sports app it's like looking at chicken pox red red everywhere it's like so the Soviet Union didn't have this much red and it's it's, it's a disaster but what can I say that hasn't been already said already it's a disaster it's a it's an absolute like shambles but you have to admit it kind of that's why that really manager wise and I said last week I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if we got, we're lucky, we're happy getting top six because the situation we have is so poor. You brought in all these young players on these big on contracts and expect the guy that you didn't even prepare, prepare for properly to kind of like sort it out. And as a result, those players don't know what they're doing. So it's like they're playing for themselves. You know, when, like the Jal Felix come on, when Mudrick comes on, when Enzo come on, they're, they're, they're playing what they know. So they're playing for themselves. Along with some of the older players that probably should be phased out, like his ZH is, as Laquetta, sorry to say it again, he's got to go do off the streak because he probably doesn't have a place. All the confusion kind of stems from him to the manager, to like, To the players and every single game that comes up is the exact same result. We play for 20 minutes and then we're already on the beach. Half these players are already on the beach. They don't know what they're doing. And what annoyed me, I mean, I could pick so many moments from so many games that annoy me so much, but I can pick on key moments that happened against Brighton and it happened against you. And what happened? Those long goals. Kepa don't like long goals. We know this. Why has this not been implemented on the pitch or the, on training to sort this out, to protect mm. him? He's not the strongest keeper when it comes to sort of thing. I could pick a goal from a couple of years ago at Brighton and he gets a long-range goal. I could told tell you that. it was the weakest shot. And then, but the second goal, the second goal. Oh my. How did he find himself in there? How did Odegaard worm his way in with all those players in there? How did he, as someone who used to play in goal, myself, you pride yourself in your defenders giving you confidence. And I see him just worming his way in, like worming his way into a party where he's not invited and just stealing all the damn food. He took the rice, he took the chicken, he took the curry goat, he took everything. (laughs) And he come and leave. And then he got free Stooges style defending for Jesus has got. I mean, what is going on? And I'm seeing Jorginho celebrate, I still are best center on the central midfield until Kante came back. Celebrating with a team that knows how to play and knows how to win. Todd Boley, I mean, we can talk about again. We can we all know that Frank's not been the best manager. That, that's, that's without even saying. And what happened with Potter as well, and getting rid of Tuchel, despite the fact that he prepared to prepare to be with Tuchel. Like, he has got, I think the direction can go. From him, because at least with like Lampard and, and, and Roman, they have that relationship where they understand each other, what's expected. And Roman knows what he's getting from Frank. But Todd Boley, like you said, coming with the likes of like when signing Ronaldo when he's on his way out, it's just like, what are you thinking? Do you know how football works? It's not just simply about signing one player. You've got to make that team kind of mm. work. And he's got, he has got, it's been just over a year, just, just a year even, and this is what he's got to show for it. He's got a lot to answer for. And the fact that we're looking closer to relegation than top four, or even top six, for a club like Chelsea is unacceptable. Like Teams like Palace, Villa, and now Bournemouth are probably going to pass us and we're going to be in 13th if results don't go the way we want this weekend in the next few games. Bear in mind, we got Bournemouth, United, City, Newcastle, and Forest. I can probably only see two games where we get some kind of
0: result. Wow. Well, hopefully against Man City, you guys can find something, (laughs) anything. Since you guys call yourselves the pride of London, I think we can say that pride of London is officially Arsenal, red and white. You guys only have that band in your stadium, you need to take it down. (laughs) You guys are disgracing last London. (laughs) Take it down, burn it, and rename it the shame of London. (laughs) That's a good Shame. one. Shame. Oh, god, man. But well, yeah, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. And for me, i looking at just the general outlook. I think it's, it's concerning the way how the problems are still persisting as the, year, the season's gone on. You haven't been able to stabilize it. Frank's come in and hasn't made a difference for you, Craig, just a last note on Chelsea. Do you, are you a bit surprised that Thomas Tuchel, not Thomas Tuchel, sorry, that, um, Mauricio Pochettino has not been announced yet. And do you think he should come in now to try and no no, no. I, I, I think the club's in a big mess. I think
3: you wait till the summer when the transfer window's open and you can tell he can ship out all the players he doesn't want and mm. just start afresh. There's no point coming in now because the results not going to say, the results not going to change in coming in now. Mm. He needs he needs a, a summer a transfer window where you can say to like move the Abamians of this world that I'm sorry, mate, but the uh, time is t- time is to pack your bags again. Mm. What do you think, Matthew?
2: I think he's going to be, he's, we're well, seeing as he's good with the younger players. I think that's where their focus should be. In fact, that's what they should be doing for the last few games. Play the players that have a future here. Play the players that actually want to play and play the players that you can actually work with. I can be, I could, there are probably about 10, 15 players that don't have a future here next season and haven't had a future here since probably January. So wow. I think on that was, res- on that respect, you know, we had a lot, we've had a lot of players who go far as back as Mourinho times. So it shows you how over time they haven't been replaced properly. So be seeing the ones you sign on those big contracts and like, you know, the ones that should start, but don't like your Madrid and your Madawakis, Like, why not? Why didn't you just start them in the first place? If you knew that, what was going to get? Maybe we could have got something. I'm not saying we would have win, but we could have got something, you know, so stop playing, you know, you know, stop playing guys that, just haven't got a clue anymore and give your focus to the younger guys because they're the ones that you're going to be relying on. That's where their shoulders are going to lie. Get, give them some kind of responsibility. You never know. They might start shining but there's too much confusion and get to play as a team. Above all, get them to play as a team because that's what they don't know.
3: Mm. You know, all they know is that they're there for five plus years. Even They Bam- don't know in what system. Mm. Even Abamian lost yesterday to, for, on the pitch. He had Eight touches. Eight, seven, eight touches yesterday. And it taken off of half time. He's having no service. And
2: one mm. getting, Brentford, he was rusty. But yeah,
0: no service. What can I say? Yeah, it's it's been an interesting time. And looking at Aubameyang at the Emirates yesterday, he just looked like a man filled with regret. But You know what? Minocure. I have no sympathy for you. You were the captain. Two goals off 100, and you decide to be a fool and take liberties and break the, the manager's trust. And break the rules. So it is what it is. At Barcelona, you were in a good place, but you came back. No one told you to come back, but he did. And on that note, it's been fun talking. As, as, it, is, as it is right now, it's 0-0 in the games playing today. So Liverpool, Fulham still 0-0, Man City, West Ham still 0-0. Um, West Ham are doing really well City haven't actually made many chances so far so it's still going according to plan and um, we'll see what happens at the weekend lots of twists and turns still in this Premier League season at the race for top four it's not quite over yet but you might argue Newcastle should be secure there Liverpool are looking up Man United should be looking over their shoulder at the bottom there's six teams that are definitely in the mix could be eight depending we'll on what happens this weekend, but we shall see. And at the very, very top between Arsenal and Man City, still all to play for. Man City have the advantage of the games in hand and the experience, but hey, points don't lie. And as it stands right now, Arsenal are still top and we're going to keep that energy until there's no energy left to give. This is us signing out. See you all next time.
3: Peace. Peace.